When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My cult stuff because word on the street is they play this week in an exhibition game, man. We got to dress up in a cult stuff. I- I'll get into the cults, but I got a lot to get into, including Megan Rapino. Well, I think America's celebrating, and I'm not really sure why, but first, I've been watching baseball since 1969. That's right, before most of you were even a twinkle in your mommy and daddy's eye, before most of you were even thought of. In fact, probably before most of your parents were even born. But you know what? I was there opening day 1969. Willie Smith hit a grand slam, and the Cubs got it rolling into a very good but very disappointing season. So I've been watching it. I've never seen this before. I have never seen at second base guys drop their gloves, square off, and have added. I I have seen, oh, I don't know, Bud Harrelson and Pete Rose at second base. I've seen Mick Kelleher and Dave Kingman at second base. We've all seen what Hal McRae used to do, sliding into second base. Yes, I'm dating myself, but in particular now, the way baseball is played, you're not allowed to slide hard into second base. You're not allowed to throw a ball low at a guy to make him get down. You're not allowed to crash into the uh, catcher at home plate. So baseball has changed. That's what made this so different. Jose Ramirez diving in the second. Tim Anderson slaps a tag on him. There had been a little bit of bad blood. And by all accounts, Tim Anderson, who we know is a bit of a mouth, and Jose Ramirez, who by all accounts is one of the nice guys in baseball, they dropped the gloves, squared it off, and listened to the great Cleveland broadcaster, Tom Hamilton, on what happened next. Here it comes. A swing and a smash to first by the diving Vaughn. Down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in to score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Jose and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Jose never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Jose decked him. It's a 5-1 Chicago lead, but everybody from the dugouts and the bullpens congregated around second base. You never see Jose Ramirez get upset like that. And Tim Anderson was on the wrong side of that punch. You saw the picture there of Tim Anderson. You know you know your drunk friends, right? When your shoulders are behind your booty and behind your heels and you're trying to walk, that's bad business. A sidewinding jab or swing, actually, cross, caught the side right here of Tim Anderson and dropped him like a bad habit. Yeah, it did. It dropped him, and Anderson got up, 
And as you saw, two of his teammates had to get him going. And quite frankly, when your heels are in front of your shoulders, you got a problem. You know, we've all had that drunk friend, and maybe you've been the drunk friend, that we've had to, quote, get home. We got to get him or her home. We got to get him in a cab. You go with him. We got to get And they're always walking, and their heels are in front of their shoulders. Their shoulders are back. And that's what happened with Tim Anderson. And here's why. So the question then becomes why? What happened here? What was going on here? Well, Jose Ramirez addressed it. He said he's been disrespecting, he being Tim Anderson, has been disrespecting the game for a while. When he does something like that on a basis, he can get someone out of the game, meaning he was coming in high, he was knocking into people. So I was telling him, stop doing that. And he tagged me really hard, more than needed. Said he wanted a fight. So I had to defend myself. Yeah, we got to fight. Let's fight. We're going to throw some hands here. And we're going to go at it, and we're going to go at it good. And I got to tell you, down goes Anderson. I've never seen, and I know a lot of you didn't either. I mean, I know a lot of you guys, hey, guys and girls, I mean, we've watched baseball for a long time. Maybe you know, I'm going to go to the Twitter chat because we're not on YouTube today, and I want to know, have you ever seen anything like that? 100 years ago, I'm a kid, Bud Harrelson or Pete Rose rolls Bud Harrelson. They start swinging, diving on each other at second base. I was at the game. Mick Kelleher, a little guy for the Cubs, gets rolled at second base by Dave King when they started going out. But I've never seen drop the gloves, umpire out of the way, and let's square it off. That, ladies and gentlemen, was spectacular. Speaking, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, we can't show you the video, but I don't know if you saw this. The dude jogged in. Giancarlo Stanton did. Dude jogs in from second base. Like, there's a hit. He's literally jogging. He's in a home run trot on a base hit. He's on a base hit. And he jogs, and next thing you know, he's tagged out at home, and next thing you know, the fans are going crazy on him. Giancarlo Stanton, hey, that's him. He comes into home, and he's just walking. I mean, if you saw that, it's disgusting. If you saw that, it's awful. If you saw that, there's no place in baseball. Like, I get it. Stanton was hurt. And if you're hurt, don't play. If you can't run, don't play. And if you can't run, coach, don't send them. But damn. Come on, people. <laughs> what are we doing? It's supposed to be fun. I keep seeing all these ads with Fernando Tatis and all these other crazy guys acting like idiots, and you all are telling me it's fun. It's fun watching guys act stupid. It's fun watching guys not hustle. It's fun watching guys act like complete jackasses when they hit home runs. It's fun. Man, oh, man. All right, the story of the weekend it ended, and I'm gonna. I got a lot to get into here. The U.S. Women's National Team. U.S. Women's National Team literally snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. They had everything going for them. They did. Champions. We like champions, do we not? Yes, we do. We had champions. They got their equal pay. I'll get into that in a minute. How ridiculous that is. They were the idol. They could have been the idol of everybody. They had ratings because people knew them, but then something happened. And you know what it was. 
Megan Rapino. See, here's the deal as a coach. As a coach, there are sometimes your team connects with your audience at a level you didn't really understand. At Bowling Green, I had a group, place was packed. We were really good, and that was the, certainly the reason. But the other reason was we just had really good guys that connected. Megan Rapino connects with nothing. Megan Rapino is a self-serving pain in the ass who doesn't understand that most of us will go back to not caring about her sport because when you watch that sport, it is akin to literally 13-year-olds playing soccer. It's fun when it says United States. It's fun that we can root for them. But the fact of the matter is, Megan Rapino and Hill, er, her er, ilk skill-wise, now that Americans are becoming a little more familiar with soccer, is akin to 13 or 14-year-olds. I can't say 15-year-olds because 15-year-olds blasted them. So let's fast forward, or let's reverse. Carly Lloyd, who played 17 years with the national team, gave her blood, sweat, and tears, called the group out. Said it didn't look like they were focused. All right. Well, guess what? She was right. She was right to the point where the team did not look focused. I would ask, did Megan Rapino throw the game? Did Megan Rapino say, hey, look, this is my last F you to America. Someone is going to make a highlight reel of every Megan Rapino touch in this World Cup, and it's going to be one bad pass turnover after another. Literally the worst player on the field by far in every game she played. That's why Vladko Andovsky, the coach, should be fired. Well, maybe, but maybe there was pressure on the coach to play Megan Rapino. She legitimately looked as if she was fixing the game. She legitimately looked like she was giving a big F you to the United States of America, a country that has made her wealthy beyond her years. Maybe Megan Rapino is right. Maybe there should have been a transgender player kicking a soccer ball in the penalty kick, or excuse me, the extra kick phase of the game. Because Megan Rapino literally looked like a 12-year-old little boy trying to kick. Scared, uninterested, moment too big. There you go. And listen, ESPN could put out a montage telling us what a, wor- what a world champ she is, how great she is, how she's better than any. They can do that all you want. And the far left, Nancy Amore, our friend, calls anybody that criticizes Megan Rapino small-minded. Okay, that's all fine too, but Americans, we want to win. And we will celebrate winners like none other. Megan Rapinoe's teams have won. When the United States was literally literally playing against women with the equivalent of being 6th and 7th graders, now they've upped their game the world, and the United States stinks. The United States became greedy. The United States got, eight, uh, got 50% of a purse that they only earn 30% of the purse from the World Cup in the new socialist regime of soccer. But that's okay. That's all right. You do you. You got what you wanted. But now there's no interest. She snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. They had everything. As the lovely Lee Ross, Dockage, my wife said, they could have put uh, soccer forever on a global stage. Instead, they catered to the transgender world. They, were, they had to tell us who they were sleeping with. The game, I don't care who you're sleeping with, win games. So you can get mad at Carly Lloyd, and I'll read Clay's tweet, t- uh, tweet right here. You can get mad at Carly Lloyd. You can get mad at anything you want. You can celebrate Megan Rapinoe's historical accomplishments. But what I will tell you is simply this.
We want winners. And she stood up there, looked like she didn't give a rat's ass the entire time, which means she trained like she didn't give a rat's ass the entire time. The moment was too big. She kicked it like a five-year-old boy. And you can celebrate her all you want, but we know in the biggest of moments, she shit the bed. She did. She took a big dump in the bed, and that's not who we celebrate in this country, although the Bidens do. Well, everyone apologized to Carly Lloyd now. She was 100% right. I was just reading that. She was 100% right in her analysis. They just posed. Fellas, all right. Uh, President Biden, you've made your country proud. Well, they just posted the worst women's World Cup tournament performance in history. See, that's the level we're at now. If you are gay, transgender, lesbian, the bar is low. The bar isn't even a bar. It's a sidewalk. You just walk all over. There's no bar. There's no bar for achievement. There's just pity. And here's the other thing about Rapino: Never, never, never in our world can you name one, can you name one, one leader, true leader of a championship team that acted as a victim? No, you can't. Leaders aren't victims. Leaders are leaders. Leaders are above victimhood. Leaders are above your circumstances. Leaders are above your obstacles. Leaders are never victims. And guess what? Megan Rapino became a victim. Thus, she couldn't be a leader. Alex Lloyd became a victim. Thus, became a person that has to sit out for who? Megan Rapino. If you're sitting out for Megan Rapino, you suck. I mean, damn, you couldn't make a high school team if you're sitting out for Megan Rapino. So that's the deal on it. That's the deal. If you, are, if you are a leader, you're never a victim. And when I say never, I mean never. And the Bidens can celebrate it. Jill Biden, I think she has a tweet in here too. Jill Biden can celebrate it. Everybody can celebrate these women. But they are only doing it. Here you go, Joe Biden. You've made the country proud. Congratulations on an incredible run. This team is something special. And I'm looking forward to seeing how you continue to inspire Americans with your grit and determination on and off the field. See, when you are of that community, there are no standards. I mean, think about it. The transgender community went to the White House, took off their clothes, danced around like complete idiots without their tops. There are no standards. In sports, there's no standards of victory. In life, there's no standard of behavior. There's none under this administration. There just simply isn't. You made this sport matter. Today, you inspired us with your grit and determination. We are proud of you. Always remember that you encourage women and girls everywhere to show up and fight for their dreams. Really? You lost to Sweden. Sweden. What's Sweden ever done other than produce Bjorn Borg? You lost to Sweden. See, again, I go back to it. There are no levels. There are no bars of achievement in this current world that we live in in the United States, which is completely un-American. The Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, those are the only ones that are fighting with actual, hey, look, we have to win. Right now in sports, lose to Sweden. When you are the number one team in the world, a heavy favorite, more resources, but you're unfocused. As Carly Lloyd said, you don't care. And in fact, I would argue that there is a good case to be made for your hero, Megan Rapino, actually fixing the game. 
Can you imagine how the media would cover that one? Can you imagine? I mean, look at it. Look at what she did and then tell me I'm wrong. Look at how she performed and then tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I'll listen. But it was embarrassing for them. It wasn't embarrassing for me. I did not care. I woke up. Uh, I didn't even think about it. Somebody, I saw something where Sweden advanced uh, as I was going through. I'm like, oh, what happened? And then, of course, karma came in. And Megan Rapino kicked the ball like a third-grade little boy over the net and then got a juice box, and away she went. Mm. Tell us about your sex life, Megan, with Sue Bird, the power lesbian couple. Tell us about how boys are supposed to play in women's sports, Megan Rapino. They should, apparently, because y'all ain't good enough. Y'all aren't focused enough. You all were embarrassing. All right, speaking of embarrassing, Mitch McConnell got up to speak the other day. Look, I think people are starting to figure it out. These 80-some-year-olds that are getting wealthy beyond their dreams, that are being carried by the oligarchy, being carried by the deep state, are now being heckled. Listen to the crowd chanting, retire, to Mitch McConnell. Folks who closed schools and then told you that teachers unions know what's best for your kids. We're up against folks who'd rather let repeat defenders walk free than get tough. I'm glad Governor Bashir finally decided to come to Fancy Farm. It's been the first Saturday in August for 143 years. But Andy only seems to make time for you all when he's staring down Election Day. Friends, I know a little something about I know a little something about beating Bashir. Friends, friends, I know about something about being Rashir. <laughs> Dude's 81 years old. Let it go, Mitch. The crowd's yelling, retire. See, this is what needs to happen. There's more and more of this needs to happen. If you don't like a political person, like there was that thing, I guess it was altered, though, on Obama trying to talk. There's no bigger dipstick than President Obama. He acts so arrogantly and he's so corrupted. The do-nothing president. When Tina Fey on the show makes fun of you, 30 Rock, you know you haven't done squat. When Tina Fey calls you the do-nothing president. So get this guy. This guy froze. He had a stroke. I don't even know. We got people having strokes. We got gay lovers in houses. We got chaos. We got hammers, people breaking in. We got leaks at the Supreme Court. I mean, come on, people. Can't we do better than this? Can't we do better? I think we can. Serious business. Damn. <laughs> Obama, we're having a conversation. The blah, 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 the blah, blah, the Obama, Obama is on my last nerve. George W. Bush and Obama are on my last nerves. I never want to hear them speak. Hey, we had realignment in football. We had realignment. Now, the Big Ten got better. Washington, we told you. Washington and Oregon were coming to the Big Ten. Wazoo was left out. Although, folks are now saying that maybe the Big 12 is going to talk to Wazoo. All right. So Wazoo's football coach, a guy named Jake Dickert, is not happy about it, and he shouldn't be. 
I mean, he absolutely should not be happy. You're a football coach. You're in the Pac-12. You think you got a shot at a big-time league. This is your Power 5 job. You can bash it all you want, but this is what everybody wanted. Everybody wanted uh, football, basketball. Everybody wanted money everywhere. Everybody wanted Caligula. Ah, let the players go. Let the universities go. Coaches can leave so players get paid. Universities can leave. So let's see what old boy has. He says it's one of those things, this guy Dickert says, where we have to control what we can control. It's amazing to me. The old question, how long would it take TV money to destroy college football? Maybe we're here. Maybe we're here. To even think remotely five years ago, the Pac-12 would be in this position. It's unthinkable to think that we're here today. Well, he's wrong. I've been saying on radio shows, it's going to be the Big Ten, and it's going to be the SEC, and then everybody's going to fall in line. And this is what is happening. There may be a third, maybe a fourth, but this is what is happening. This is not something that five years ago you couldn't see coming, Slim. If you couldn't see coming, then open your eyes. Because everybody saw this coming. Everybody saw this coming, and if you didn't, well, you are on the same level as the Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, who didn't see this coming. They couldn't get distribution of the Pac-12 network. While the Big Ten network is the symbol, the absolute symbol of what is right with leagues doing their own TV packages, the Pac-12 is the absolute opposite. It's a sign of failure. One, unbelievably successful, thus schools are getting 30 to $50 million a piece from a TV network. The other, an abysmal failure because they get and could not get it distributed. Dis- distributed. Distributed. Jeez, what is wrong with me? So if you didn't see this coming, old Coach Dickert, I don't know what to tell you. We all saw it coming. Is it bad for college football? I don't know. What do we care? Seriously, I hear people whining about the rivalries. Yeah, all right. I get that, but I don't care. You know what I want? I want to see what the Saturday slate is. What's this Saturday? What games am I going to watch? Where am I at here? You know what I don't want, though? I don't want the 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock Pac-12 game to go away. I like that game. I fell asleep to that game. That's my go-to. When I've lost every dime that I have on a college football Saturday, I know that there's a Pac-12 game. Now it's going to have to be the Mountain West. And a lot of you are feeling the same, don't at me. You know you are. I don't want that game to go away, but if you didn't see this coming, old Coach Dickard, you're an idiot. Speaking of idiots, well, does Florida State want out of the ACC? Florida State is saying things. Florida State is, well, you know, we want more money. We need to have a better deal. Don't think for a second. All right, well, where are you going? Who wants you? You are an academic institution on par with Vincent's junior college. Seriously. I, I don't know what to tell you. Richard McCullough and the Board of Trustees indicated a departure from the ACC. The basis is from a disparity in how the TV money gets paid out as compared to the Big Ten and the SEC. Really? Really? No kidding? All right. Nobody saw that coming. Well, here's the deal. You got boring schools. Nobody wants to see Duke play Wake Forest in football. 
Nobody wants to see even Florida State anymore. You can tell us Florida State's back, but they ain't back. Nobody wants to see North Carolina. I mean, Clemson, I guess. Nobody wants to see that. So Bubba Cunningham, who's a friend of mine who I like a lot, he's a North Carolina athletic director. Bubba says if they want to leave, then that's going to be their choice. But there are certain obligations you do have. We have an exit fee. We have a grant of rights, which means that Florida State turned over their called grant of rights to the ACC so that the ACC can negotiate their television contracts. I believe it's been a great league for a long time. Their frustration about the money. Everyone would like to have more money and everyone would like to win more. But we're in an outstanding league. Last I checked, the ACC won nine national championships last year more than any other league. We're doing something right. Now, McCullough with Florida State said they would very seriously consider leaving the ACC if the revenue distribution didn't change. All right. Well, Bubba said that's great. You can probably get out of here in about, two, I don't know, uh, 2035 when your grant of rights expires. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. He said this. Pay for the exit right, exit fee. Wait for your grant of rights that were given. And then in 2036, when those rights return to you, do whatever you want. Florida State's yapping. Florida State and the U, that's all they do is yap. I got nothing for them. You're not going nowhere. Where are you going? Who really wants you? Like, seriously. Florida State basketball gets like 15 people a game. Florida State football used to be interesting when they were cheating their brains out under the religious one, Bobby Bowden. And now, well, not so much. Isn't that funny how that happens? The U and Florida State both got whacked for cheating. And next thing you know, they can't win anymore. Huh. Fascinating. (laughs) Megan Rapino, my backside. Anyway, let's go through a couple other things. Joe Mixon, uh, he's a beauty. Joe Mixon has been named in a lawsuit. Joe Mixon has been named in a civil suit. Look, I tell you this, it's always the same. It's always someone. It's always the same deal. There's a legal guardian of a 16-year-old who was shot in March. I guess they were running around Nixon's house. Uh, There's a guy named Lamonte Brewer. That's who's screwing uh, Mixon's sister, apparently. So Brewer fired an assault rifle at minimum of 11 rounds at the minor. Joe Mixon was also in his own backyard with a loaded 9mm semi-automatic weapon. The lawsuit adds that the weapon Bruce Brewer fired as well as the ammunition was owned by Mixon and provided at his house. Jeez. Oh, man. All right, dudes were, Nixon was informed the teams were playing turf wars, according to the lawsuit. Uh, The bullet struck a Nerf rifle, or struck a Nerf rifle, CB, who's the kid, was carrying. And he was also hit by a 7.62 millimeter round shot by Nixon's assault rifle. Jeez. Nixon, what are you doing? Apparently, Shalanda Mixon, the sister, and her guy that stoop on her brewer could not have reasonably felt their lives were genuine because it was turf wars. Don't live in a neighborhood if you don't want little kids running around, you dumbass. (laughs) 
Uh, Mixon says he feared for his life. Yeah, I know you did, Joe. Just like you did when the girl came up to you in Chipotle and you had to knock her out. You're a punk. Just a punk. So Joe Mixon, it's always the same guys. How many times do we have to hear about Pac-Man Jones? Oh, by the way, Pac-Man Jones is now a good guy because he took in that guy Chris Henry's kids. He is a good guy for doing that, but you can't go around smacking women. So Joe Mixon, a historical bad guy, is still being a bad guy, shooting little kids because, well, I got my strap on, man. I got one in the hole, man. Dumbass. And some guy that's stooping your uh, your sister has to be the protector. You guys are idiots. Stop being idiots. Seriously, you NFL guys, you got a great life. Stop being dumbasses. Stop being fools. Stop being clowns. I got a guy here, Zaire Franklin in Indianapolis. He's our leader. He's a six-round pick by all counts, a great guy. He's mad that people are attacking, attacking Jonathan Taylor. Like, dude, I get more hate in 10 minutes than you sorry-ass Colts who quit on your team, quit on yourselves, quit on your fans last year, get it an entire year. Yet all they do is whine about it. Stop the whining, Colts players. Here's what I put out. Life lessons from a leader of a group that literally quit on itself and its fans last year. I get more hate in a day than these Colts quitters get all year, and yet they whine constantly. Sack the living hell up. I am tired. We're just trying to provide for our family. Yeah, shut up. Tired of it. Anyway, hey, we got John Smoltz coming up. I got to ask him about the throwdown. Hey, when we... Well... We'll play. We're going to continue to play the Tom Hamilton audio like all day at different times because it's so good you just never see it. Go tell your friends we're on Twitter today. Be right back with John Smoltz. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Let me explain something to you. I'm older than John Smoltz, uh, but when we were when we were coaching at Indiana, Coach Knight and I became massive Atlanta Braves fans for one re- a lot of reasons. One was for me, I'm a big Cub fan, and I I, I like to see Greg Maddox do his thing with the Braves because it just pissed me off to no end at that time. But Coach Knight and I liked John Smoltz because he did whatever the team was asked. He was a starter, became a closer, and he could shoot like is like a plus four as a golfer. So anytime you got that combination, John, you had big fans at the Indiana University basketball office back in your day. Well, I was big fans of the Big Ten. I grew up obviously going to go to Michigan State, so I watch everything that I could watch for uh, basketball when it comes to that regard. But, no, I appreciate it. I mean, it, 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 my whole career would be defined by one thing. It would be I want to win championships. And it wasn't the greatest route that I took, but it was a route that if it gave us a chance to win, I would give it a go. And I gave it a go for three years. People ask all the time, what was it like? And I said, the best way I can describe it is if you drove to work the same route every single day and did the speed limit, that's starting. If you got in a NASCAR and you rode that thing, like rev the engine, go by the seat of your pants, and you took a different route every day, that's closing. It's night and day. You know, I, I got to tell you, though, um, starting now doesn't seem like as much fun 
because they take you out in like the fifth. I always, I, you know, I didn't pitch at your level. I pitched through high school. All that kind. I always thought the most fun was completing the game, finishing the game, getting that last out, right? No doubt. Uh, look, this is a trainable act. Everybody before my generation pitched 30 more innings, and we've had this regression, and we've had this technology and analytics that basically is plug and replace and throw it as hard as you can. We'll get the next guy to do the same thing. And you know what my biggest argument has been is when it first came into play, my argument was, okay, if this is better for the arms and injury prevention, I will accept it. I will be okay with it. But it's gone the wrong way. It's actually gotten worse. Notice no one talks about injury prevention anymore because they realize what they're doing is all about the next guy up, next guy up, and it's a financial model that works analytically. And yeah, it's like every sport has been impacted by analytics and there's some good, but there's also some bad in in the way the games are played. You know, basketball rest studies and all these different things. There's more injuries in basketball than there's ever been before. So from a starting pitching standpoint, they're training for different things. The result and the reward system is totally different. So I don't blame the players. And it is what it is. I think the pendulum swung too far. Eventually it comes back and it will just takes a long time. John, I was watching the Cubs game yesterday, and Justin Steele, who's had a really nice year, he's an all-star, he's pitching. And Boog Shambi and Jim Jim Deshays phrased it like this. He had his Tommy John surgery in 2017, which meant, like, you're going to get hurt now as a pitcher. It's just a matter of when you have your Tommy John surgery. Used to be you avoided Tommy John surgery like it was the freaking plague and you worked to not have Tommy John surgery. And that's my point. We're not listening. We're not listening to the studies, the doctors. We're not listening to anything because we've just plowed through this thing. Here's what you'll hear people say. This is a product, a byproduct of youth baseball. So we're just doing whatever these young arms are being uh, designed to do, which they're not designed. I call it red line pitching. They're not designed to live in the RPM and the red in your engine. It's going to blow. And we can't be okay with just everyone's going to get hurt and they're going to get a Tommy John and they'll be fine. This is a, the most ridiculous statement to live by. And that just goes to show you where the industry is because they're going to draft a guy that could need Tommy John. They're okay with a guy getting Tommy John. And there's not a lot of guarantees in Tommy John. There's a myth out there that I tried to address at my Hall of Fame speech. It's not normal. It's not normal for a 12 and 14-year-old to get Tommy John. And here's the myth. You have a likelihood to return at the level that you were once at. So if you're in the minor leagues and you get Tommy John, there's a good chance you get back to minor league pitching. There's no guarantee you go to the big leagues. So anyways, that's a long, I mean, I could spend, I could spend hours on this. Uh, I want to see guys stay healthy, but the game has changed and people are kind of uh, navigating the 98 to 99 mile an hour fastball and snapping off breaking balls like you've never seen before. Reason I like you as a broadcaster, I did Big Ten games for 10 years for ESPN, and they always told you, inform, entertain, and forecast. So I watch baseball, and I get tired. I don't even know. And again, I've watched baseball since 1969. I, I've, I love it. I studied. I, but I'm so tired of hearing statistics that don't mean anything to me. Steve Stone taught me, hey, look, 
Uh, it, you know, Steve would go, well, if he throws a two-strike cutter, cutter here, he's going to get him on a you know, strike three, and he forecasts it. That's what I like about you. Baseball announcing too much analytics in my – I coached. I used analytics before it was even called analytics. I got guys shots at right at, at, at spots. I understand it. But, God dang, can we slow it down a little bit, John? I know. I, I was taught a long time ago as well, if somebody can look up what I'm about to tell you, don't say it, right? If you can look up a stat, a number – then there's no reason for a broadcaster. Not to mention, if I have to explain what it means, no no sense putting it on the air. You only got so much time. And I've had to learn and adjust my style of broadcasting because I literally can call what's coming or forecast it. But today, it's more of a flip of the coin. And luckily for me, in the last five years, I've had a veteran pitching staff for the most part that gets to the postseason. And I know the way they think. I know the way they operate. And they are not missing the no-brainers. But I think with a young generation and all driven by a card in the back of their pocket, you have to adjust. And I have to start figuring out what their philosophy is and what they might do. I enjoy that part in the postseason, but I have a greater chance of being wrong now, which is okay because that's really not my job to get everything right. It's to do what you just said. And hopefully, um, you know, that'll continue. Hey, John, uh, yesterday, again, I've studied baseball, watched. I've never seen two guys. Maybe I missed it. I saw Bud Harrelson and Pete Rose. I saw Mick Kelleher and Dave Kingman go at it at second base. Hal McRae, legendary for going in hard at second base. I've never seen two guys drop the gloves, square up, and the umpire get the hell out of the way. What did you think of Ramirez and uh, what's-his-face Anderson yesterday? Yeah, I was really shocked. I was watching it live. I, I couldn't believe what I saw. And, and obviously, it didn't seem very egregious in the beginning, but there was some words spoken that just set him off. And not a great look. I know you know people want to see a little bit more of the old-style baseball game, and I get it. But, but I think in that situation, you saw a very frustrated team in the Chicago White Sox that weren't going in the right direction. Um, Tim Anderson, who played in the World Baseball Classic and, and was a star. I, I, I just, at the end of the day, it didn't look good when you got four guys holding him back to want to get back on the field and keep going and jawing at it. Uh, but, uh, shoot, I couldn't believe it. I mean, Lynn, uh, Rugnet Odor, I think, is the, the one of the Odors was the last time it was one-punch knockout. Uh, so he has some street cred going for him, but yeah, that, that was um, – we hadn't seen that in a while in, in baseball. John, what's, what's, a, what's a major league where guys are at the top of the food chain in terms of giving each other shit? What's a major league clubhouse like for Tim Anderson coming in there after getting knocked out? Yeah, I'm sure he's going to describe it like, you know, I lost my balance. But uh, there, that was just – that's down the road. That's if you're having a really good season and you can joke and, and, and you have a long year to be able to kind of rib a guy. But this one probably won't work very well for the Chicago White Sox. On the flip side, uh, for, Cle for the Guardians, who are still having a really good year and in the mix, they might uh, be able to do some things in their clubhouse, um, bring in a robe, bring in some boxing gloves. I mean, there's, when you're with guys for right. basically 210 days of the year, you're going to have these moments where you have a lot of fun and you're going to have some moments where, you know, maybe it isn't as funny. Uh, I want to stick with the White Sox. This came out today. Kenyon, uh, uh, Kenyon, Kenyon Middleton, a reliever, got traded from the White Sox 
to the Yankees, and he's just ripping the White Sox culture. You don't have to show up on time. Guys are sleeping. Guys are napping. Guys are missing meetings. There's nothing done. There's no accountability. Uh, As a coach, again, one that played and coached under Bob Knight, I I don't understand how this could even be in a team, any team, including a fifth-grade boys Catholic team. Yeah, that's a bad look, right? I mean, that that is something that's not going to reflect well. You hope things don't get out like that. But when they're maybe this strange of happenings, look, when you're winning, you can just do about anything, right? I mean, it's probably not right. It'll eventually catch up with you. But when you have things in balance, call, call, you know, people don't understand. You can have all the analytics in the world. They don't account for clubhouse culture. They don't account for camaraderie and they don't account for the heart of a player and the heartbeat and so when these things break loose it happened in boston a long time ago like you you hear the house of cards come tumbling down when one thing happens and somebody says something finally breaks the code that's what it sounds like this has happened here it's not a great look uh this is a team that was had high potential was supposed to win and now you might draw conclusions of why they haven't and i tell you in baseball it's different than maybe some other sports Basketball could probably come close because they play 82 games. But 162 games, you can't get away with a lot. If there's some cracks in the armor and there's some things that don't go right in your clubhouse, it's going to show itself. You have to be the most unbelievably talented team to overcome that. Otherwise, you're not going to win. Well, well, let me ask you, because you have, you know, three Hall of Famers, you and Maddox and, and Glavin. And by and you won every year. It wasn't like one year, two years, and you dropped off. So my my sense would be that somehow, some way, you three who, you know, as good as you guys all were, had to be leaders or, or were looked at as leaders, you had to have a great chemistry among you. H- how did that develop for you all? Yeah, that's, that's basically what, first of all, Bobby Cox is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he led our, our kind of tenure there with, because we didn't have a lot of guys that were considered bad eggs. If they, if we did, they were gone. Bobby wasn't going to put up with it. Bobby didn't have a lot of team meetings. Look, we had three simple rules. Think about this in the culture of sports today. If you had these three rules, wear your hat right, show up on time, and no music in the clubhouse, planes, or weight room. He said, if you got music playing, you wear your headphones. And he didn't want anything to disrupt anybody that might not like that taste or flavor. And we just adhered to those rules. We're the only team I know in the history that had those rules. But the three of us led by example. It's hard for a pitcher to be a leader on a team because you only pitch once every five days. So you really need a good, solid position player. But we had a unique situation that the three of us, through all of our injuries, pitched, played, and did what we said. And we didn't have to say much. And I think everybody knew when we went out to the field that given night or day, we were prepared. Yeah, we played a ton of golf. We had a lot of fun. I was kind of like the the game master, and I created all the fun for the for the year and set up tournaments and all that. But we literally ran through our manager, who was the very best at instilling confidence in players when they didn't have it themselves. We play a game of failure, and the guys who feel, fail the least are the most successful. I remember when Steve Avery came up and, and everybody, well, he's the real guy. He's the next phenom. And, and, you know, regardless whether he was or he wasn't, he had to fit into you guys. And there were other guys, Mark Wohlers, that kind of guys had to fit into what you all set. And that sets a team up pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, Steve Avery, by the way, I've been telling people who don't realize he was Clayton Kershaw before Clayton Kershaw. He was that good. 
This I've never seen a more dominant young left-handed pitcher. Unfortunately, injuries got the best of him. And, you know, he tried to pitch through him, and, and it just didn't work out. And, man, oh, man, I would love to see him. He's one of my favorites. He's a Michigander, and he pitched two of the greatest postseason games ever, two one-to-nothing wins in, 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 against Pittsburgh. But, yeah, everybody that came over our way, we kind of indoctrinated him into our way of thinking. And we told every pitcher, I know this might be people hard to believe, we told every pitcher, whether you play golf or not, you're going to learn. We're going to go out every day on the road. We're going to have a foursome. We're going to be together. We're going to talk baseball, play golf. And we taught guys like Kevin Millwood to play golf, Jason Marquis. Avery was a big golfer. Uh, Denny Nagel was a golfer. So there for the longest time, every single pitcher we had on our team, uh, starting with Charlie Liebrandt, we learned and we played golf together. We spent a lot of time together because you only pitch once every five days. And that doesn't exist as much anymore. There's a lot of things that don't exist, but that team camaraderie was special for not only the three of us, but every pitcher that was in that that locker room. Uh, last thing, last thing before I let you go. Do you think the way you did it, talking about playing golf, telling guys, "Hey, look, you're going to learn," bringing guys, you think that works today? No, no, it's a different different time. I mean, players today are are definitely into their own thing, and and they want they want their cake and eat it too. And I get it. I mean. There's a lot of things that that create greatness for these young players. They're more talented. They're they're obviously uh, stronger. Um, health is not something though that we already talked about and touched about. But I think it's it's kind of like um, you show up, you do your thing, and and you do that 162 times. The team concept is not as big as uh, as it was for us, and you know that that's just the way it is. Technology has taken us away from a lot of things. And it's direct connect society. I get it. But um, I, I'm so glad that I played when I did. Uh, I'm so glad that I still am not on social media. And if those are things that are important to people, so be it. But I, I showed up every day, um, wanted to be the best teammate I possibly can. That was like, that was ingrained in me by, uh, you know, it's funny. Little things you, you look at and say, this guy passed it forward. You didn't know it at the time. But I signed with the Detroit Tigers I signed late and I showed up in the clubhouse and Alan Trammell came up to me. I was sitting in a locker room so so nervous. These are all my heroes. He came up, he shook my hand, he says, I'm Alan Trammell. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And that was a ticket for me, if I ever got into the big leagues, to pay, pay that forward. And I did that for every young player and I wanted to be the best version of a teammate that I could and, and honor that and, and win championships and play together and do my part. And I think that that's a little bit gone uh, in, in the world. I'm not saying it's completely gone, but I think it's a different coaches have to think differently. Players have to think differently in how they navigate that, that journey together. You know, it's funny, Dan, please, Zach, I grew up, we grew up together and he told me, he goes, you know what? My moment like that was Robin Yao was getting shot up in the toe. And he's like, man, this dude's going to play. Danny was a rookie. And Robin Yao said, Dan, you got to post every day. You just got to yeah. post every day. That's it. And that's, a, that's the thing that that's the thing the three of us did. We had 10 straight years without missing a start. I was the first to miss a start. Tommy John came about and uh, they saw they saw the shots of cortisone. They saw all the treatment that we would do, even though it's once every five days. And that's the key back then. That was our reward system. We got paid to play and it's not exactly the same right now. Yeah, it's amazing. No one wants to listen to you or Matt or Maddox or Glavin on how to keep your arm right. Y'all threw hard enough. Like you yeah, didn't throw hard. 
it's like two ships passing in the sea. Our worlds are uh, far apart, and uh, it, it is amazing. Um, but like a young player, I always went backwards. I asked all the veterans, what did they do? I, I, I went backwards. I, I went, I, I understood the history of the game and I wanted to be just like them. And it's not really that way now because there is no reason to go backwards because we've got all the answers in the future. So it is what it is. Every chance I get, there's a few sprinkled pitchers I've been able to help. They ask questions. I'm honored to be part of that. Uh, but it is two different worlds right now. Man, if I was a father of a of a guy that was a major league prospect, I would I would I would stalk you guys. I would stalk anybody <laughs> that had success like that and to, and beg you, John. I appreciate it, man. I I love your work. Thank you for coming on. It's been terrific. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, that's John Smoltz. I think he's the best announcer you're going to find. I do because he entertains. He informs. And he'll forecast for you. And I, I just don't understand why, why if you're a parent and your kid has potential, I got to look at the guys who didn't get hurt. And John's right. I'm a minor leaguer. I'm going to go get Tommy John. I'm going to stay a minor leaguer. What do you think? They're going to supercharge your arm? Come on. I asked for 90 when I was 60. I had a shoulder surgery. I'm like, hey, Doc, can you throw 90 in there? And he's like, yeah, okay. But anyway, John Smoltz, fan, fantastic. And Man, that was good. No, that wasn't good. That was absolutely great. Thanks to our staff, our fantastic staff, for getting that done. And let, let's make no mistake about it. Uh, the idea that you would not, as a young pitcher, tr that you would want Tommy John. Hey, I've had guys tell me, true story, high school dads, that they want to get their son Tommy John. Well, I say to myself, let me, let me see if I understand this. You want to get your son, who you think has potential, cut on the appendage that is what he's going to, I guess, go to college on. You want him to get cut on that. Why don't, and I've said this forever, why don't you study Tom House? Why don't you study now John Smoltz? Why don't you study these people and see what they do to not get hurt, to not have to go through a year rehab. Do not, because dads, swear to God, dads think, well, you know, once we get this, we're going to throw 90, and they're like, shut the hell up. Like, no, 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 no. The big unit on the right, big unit's girlfriend used to come see me when he went on the road when he was with the Indianapolis Indians, but I digress. I do. I digress. <laughs> um. Alvin Kamara got three-game suspension for his idiotic role in beating the living crap out of some guy <coughs> in Vegas. Alvin Kamara showed himself to be just another guy that can't handle success, can't handle fame, can't handle nothing. So Alvin Kamara and another dude beat the crap out of a guy in Vegas at the Pro Bowl. Good for Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara decided, well, you know what? We're just going to beat the living crap out of him. Oh, Okay. Oh, we are? Well, let me see. What can I, I'm going to get three, three games. Why are we fighting? I mean, I get it, man. You got to respect me. You didn't respect me. Yeah, well, pull this. It plays jingle bells. You know what I mean? Alvin Kamara. Uh, yeah, good for him. Hey, Jamarco Jones. Jamarco Jones of the Titans. Uh, he's an offensive lineman. They said, look, we're cutting you. You're fighting. He's got a responsibility to my team. He said, uh, Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, our favorite guy, I think my job is to protect the team. I think the player's job is to find a way 
on that team. So we're always going to hold the team in high regard and make sure that everything we do and how we carry ourselves is in the best interest of the team. This idiot, this Jamarco Jones, played three seasons with the Seahawks before signing with the Titans, and he gets in two fights. He got an altercation with Jeffrey Simmons. What are you doing? They got separated, kicked out of practice, and then he was sent home for a blindside block on Clarence Campbell, Chance Campbell. The block nearly started a brawl. We don't practice like that. We talk about being competitive and going to the line and certainly not doing anything that hurts the team. Man, go get him. He'll be with the Colts. He'll be with the Colts. Uh, Apparently, the Magic, the Orlando Magic donated to Ron DeSantis' program, his campaign. So the Players Association are upset. A political contribution from the Orlando Magic is alarming given the recent comments and policies of its beneficiary. The Magic's donation does not represent players' support or participation. Wait a second. We got to listen to all these clowns talk about uh, an organization called BlackLivesMatter.com that is the most corrupt. We got to listen to that, but uh, the owners can't do nothing. If I'm the owners, I tell you to stick it. <clears throat> you don't like it? Tough. I'm donating to whoever the hell I want to donate to. So you got to wait and listen to all of these people giving their political views, but the owners can't. It appears the NBA took a break from protesting our anthem and bending the knee to communist China to chirp about my policies. Good for DeSantis. Never back down. And never back down from the dumbest among us. Never back down from people that have no sense, people that are so biased, so ridiculous, don't speak truths. Never, ever, 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 ever. I guarantee you there are 10 players in the NBA that have any idea what Ron DeSantis' policies truly are. I guarantee you that the lady, was her name, L. Duncan, that got on there bitching, whining, and moaning about don't say uh, gay, had no idea what the bill was actual. None of these guys know. It's like I said on TV, hey, look, all these guys in college football and basketball complaining about scholarships have no idea what the value of their scholarship is. They have none. They have zero, zip, none of Nada. Zero. Zip. None. Don't at me about it either. They have no idea. So the NBA, they took a little time. They took a little time away from whining, bitching, and moaning to say, hey, look, uh, we're not acquiescing to say, hey, we don't like Ron DeSantis' policies. Really? So tell me, Kevin Durant, what are Ron DeSantis' policies? Oh, man, I'm smoking weed. Morons. Absolute morons. Uh, NASCAR driver in trouble, Ryan Gregson. I thought it was Grigson at first. They suspended uh, Ryan Gregson after he appeared to like an insensitive George Floyd Maine. So a guy gets his livelihood suspended for pressing a like button. All right. Legacy Motor Club announced his suspension, saying his actions do not represent the values of our team. NASCAR said Gregson violated the NASCAR racing member conduct section of his rules, which says in parts that members should not publicly disparage people based on their background in a platform on the platform X. He did not directly address the alleged mean, but acknowledged his actions. 
All right. So if you make a mistake and you're reading something, you're looking at it and your finger hits something, you get suspended. All right. All right. What are you going to do? Yeah, I think we ought to lighten up on that stuff, but what do I know? I'm sure it's hurtful to absolutely nobody. Nobody was hurt by this. Nobody really cares about it, but everybody has to get into CYA mode. I just saw a video of Jamie Foxx talking about how in a movie he killed all the white people. How great is that? That's what he said. Jamie Foxx, I'm sure, will get promotions. I don't even know when the video was. It doesn't really matter to me because I don't get my panties in a bunch. (laughs) Jamie Foxx liked an anti-Semitic post, but that's all right, because uh, apparently, for whatever the reason, Jewish people can just come under attack anytime you want. And it sickens me as my nieces and nephews are Jewish. But that's all right, because Jamie Foxx did it. But some nondescript white driver likes a mean. Oh, man, you like to mean. Jamie Foxx, I kill all the white people in the movie. How great is that? Yeah, all right. Yeah, good for Jamie Foxx. Apparently, it was from a 2012, and and Foxx was referring to his role in Django Unchained. But who cares when it was from? Who cares? Jamie Foxx had to apologize for fake friends. I just, I just get a kick out of all of it. I know I'm supposed to be all upset by it. I know I'm supposed to lose my mind over everything. But I got to tell you, Kevin Stitt is the governor, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he is. He's the governor of Oklahoma. He's standing up for women. And if you stand up for women in sports, then you're all right with me. That's just what I'm going to tell you. Governor Kevin Stitt is the first governor to do something that every governor that had a sack should do. That has a pair. Grow up. Even a women governor. Grow a pair. Let's go. Do what Kevin Stitt does. We'll talk to Kevin Stitt, the governor of Oklahoma, when we come back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. You know, we talk on this show about women's right to play sports and having to save women's sports. And... It's remarkable. We've got to talk about saving women's sports from dudes playing women's sports. And I, it's just so stupid that it comes out of my mouth damn near every day. And I'm just thrilled to have Governor uh, Kevin Stitt from Oklahoma join us. He's the first governor to sign a women's bill of rights. Uh, thank you for doing that. And can you explain what your women's bill of rights means? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me on again. Pretty common sense to us in Oklahoma. I've been hearing from all over the country, people thanking me, but uh, we basically just had to define what a woman was uh, for all of my state agencies. And so I was seeing some crazy stuff happen in other states, like uh, men saying that they're a woman and being sent to a woman's prison. And I I wasn't going to let that nonsense happen in Oklahoma. So I directed all of my state agencies, uh, you know, we're not going to let men go to women's shelters. Uh, so again, um, pretty common sense. And I, I think a lot about my grandparents explain to them what their grandson was having to do in the state of Oklahoma, right? <laughs> Understand, uh, what's going on with the left right now. It's just, it's just nonsense. Can you, you know, I try to look at things 
both ways. I try to say, okay, I get their side. I don't get any other side than, hey, look, keep men out of women's locker room. We had Riley Gaines on here. We have other, and it's like, there is no other side in my view. Why do you think, why do you think women, particularly women's sports, women's spaces, is allowed to be under attack? You know, that's the head scratcher. And that's why, I mean, I'm so happy you had Riley Gaines on. We had her in Oklahoma as well. Uh, She's just an amazing ambassador. And she just puts it out the way it is. Um, You know, why in the world are we letting biological males in girls' locker rooms, girls' shelters? Um, This The the guys that she competed against was ranked 462nd on the men's team. And then all of a sudden is winning a national championship on the girls' team. That that tells it right there. It is not a fair competition, and we have to protect uh, women's sports. I mean, Title IX is being eroded right now. Uh, and so, again, it's, it's a bunch of nonsense. I had to pass a Save Women in Sports bill last year. We don't let that happen in Oklahoma. I had so many parents thanking me because I, I passed a law to make sure that uh, in, in our schools, boys aren't going to go to girls' bathrooms. But I also, we're not attacking any one person. And, and we told our schools to have a third bathroom uh, if one of those two uh, you're, not, you're not comfortable with. But again, it's just total common sense. And uh, I believe Americans are with us on this issue. Certainly Oklahomans are with us. Have you gotten much blowback? Have you, and two-part question, blowback one, two, what have other governors said to you? You know, I mean, privately, we talk all the time and, and uh, they totally agree with us. Um, I think definitely on the Republican side, uh, I think the governors agree with us wholeheartedly on these issues. Um, why more more governors haven't done this Bill of Rights, I'm not sure. I think I won't be the last first, uh, but I'm sure that other governors will will go out and define that for their state agencies uh, so we don't let these uh, th- th- these prison swaps happen. Yeah, and I think the prison piece is important. I mean, you know, we've seen this. Somebody can just walk in, say, "I feel like a woman." Basically, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm short selling it a little bit, but basically, say, "Hey, look, I, I'm a woman, and you can't tell me differently. I need to be in a woman's prison." And we've seen what's happened there. I've said forever, and correct me, maybe I'm a bad guy, but I have a daughter. I have a stepdaughter. If I saw some dude dressed up as a woman or some dude as a dude walking into the women's bathroom with my daughter. She's 25 right now. I'm walking in with her, and I don't make any apologies for that. But the prison deal is a huge piece of this, is it not? Because that could only grow. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw that happen in California. And then surprise, surprise, there were women reporting rapes and reporting sexual uh, uh, you know, assaults in the prisons. And, and just like what happened to Riley Gaines and some of the, some of the young women that are competing in sports, they're being told to, to be quiet and not talk about it because it doesn't fit into the narrative uh, of the left's conversation that, um, hey, these people are identifying a, 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 as a woman. But again, bottom line, we're not against any one person in Oklahoma, uh, but we're going to protect young women. We're going to protect the fairness and competition. We're going to protect the common sense uh, that somebody can be safe changing in a, in a girl's locker room. So, again, just just common sense for us. Also, I had to sign a bill, uh, and, and I did an executive order as well, just protecting minors. We're not going to allow sex changes to happen for minors uh, in Oklahoma. You can't get a – you can't, uh, you know, buy alcohol or cigarettes. And, and so we're not going to let people do permanent harm to a child – 
below the age of 18. So that's really common sense to us as well. Why is that not common sense? Honest to God, that's driving me crazy. You do whatever you want to do as an adult. Hey, that's your thing. You want to change your gender? Great, go do it. You want to, what? Great, go do it. But again, I ask the same question. Why do you feel the attack on kids is so freely allowed, or at least it's seemingly free, freely allowed? Yeah get them on and ask them that question because you know you let's they always say let's follow the science uh but you know their frontal lobes aren't developed yet we have an obligation uh that's exactly what i i'm always talking about hey we're not against any one person if you want to have an elective surgery as an adult you know i'm not going to dollars to do it uh but you're free to do it this is a free country um, but we have an obligation to protect young people and protect our kids, and, and that's what we're making sure happens in Oklahoma. Your executive order, and this is so ridiculous to me, but it had to be done. I want to go back to something. Your executive order had to define what a man and a woman is. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we think that's pretty funny, too. Um, but again, we wanted to make sure everybody knew that we're talking about biological sex, and, and I have to, I have 30,000 state employees. We run all of our prison systems. We have shelters. We have DHS homes. Uh, we have locker rooms. We have, uh, you know, our, our school system. And we wanted to make sure uh, that we defined it properly so there's no ambiguity that we're not going to let a boy uh, or a male go into a female prison. Isn't that amazing, though? I mean, because if you leave even a little bit of ambiguity or you leave, I guess, a little bit of a loophole hole, these folks have figured out how to slide in there. So you must be ironclad with what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, And again, you know, I I know I saw you had a picture of uh, Riley Gaines and, and the six foot four swimmer that she was going up against. Uh, but but I think when you when you act absolutely logically think about this, you're intellectually honest. Uh, that guy was 462nd in the country on the men's team for three years, and then flips over to the women's side and is winning national championships. Again, that 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 is not fair competition. So just on that grounds alone, we have an obligation to be fair to women's athletics and these ladies. They thank me, and I have OU track athletes are calling me, just thanking me for protecting their ships. Fourteen-year-old uh, girls playing volleyball. Uh, you know, I mean, I, you saw the national news where where the girl had some permanent damage from getting spiked on a volleyball court. Uh, the 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 nets on men versus girls. The men's nets are seven and a half inches taller than the women's uh, league. Uh, they can just physically jump higher. And uh, it's just not a fair competition. So I don't know how you can be intellectually honest with yourself and say this is normal. You know, the, the defense is always, well, you're phobic. You know, you're, you're, you're transphobic. You're something phobic. And the defense is always, well, shouldn't a governor have more important things to deal with? And my answer might be, well, maybe, but this is really important. I mean, there's a lot of women around that do need this. Yeah, you know, we, we I run a you know a twenty two billion dollar budget, thirty thousand state employees. Uh, I'm trying to make Oklahoma top ten in everything that we do. 
but having a fair competition and making sure that uh, that our, our our young ladies and young women are protected in the state of Oklahoma. If any of you were governor and you got the phone calls from parents uh, that their daughters were were scared to go into the restroom, uh, then you're going to try to do something about it. When you see injustice happening as governor and as leaders. Uh, we're going to fix that, and we're going to make sure injustice doesn't happen. So that's that's what we're about here in Oklahoma. Patty Gasso is, uh, you know, she's got it rolling on. Uh, has she been a voice in this? Yeah, I haven't specifically talked to her about this. I mean, I called her when she won her third straight national championship uh, for uh, the OU, OU Sooner uh, team. But but you know that that's a that's a great point. We need more leaders uh, speaking out. You just just talking common sense. So I'm sure she's going to be siding with us on these issues. But I haven't personally talked to her about it. Yeah, it, it, you know I think that I I think there was a time where most people, coaches, maybe even media members, they felt like they couldn't speak out on this because they would get crushed. You know, uh, two friends of mine, Sage Steele and Samantha Ponder at ESPN, the nicest ladies in the world care about They got crushed by USA Today for basically saying, you know, we don't believe that men should compete against women. But I think now's the time. Don't you feel this, Governor? I think this is one of the great things about what you did. You freed it up for people that, disagree with what's going on with women's sports to be able to speak. You, you open the doors for conversation. Well, I, I mean, I hope I, I give air cover for some folks, but, but again, uh, leaders have to take a stand and we have to, we can't give in to a, uh, a vocal minority that, that is really trying to change women's sports and women's athletics. And so to me, um, it's 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 super simple. My job is to make Oklahoma a top ten state. Is to lead. Um, is to is to is to lead well. So I'm not going to shy away from a controversial issue that that I know doesn't make sense uh, for the future young women in Oklahoma. Last thing before I let you go, you say you talk privately to other governors. Do you think other governors will pass legislation like this? You know, I really do. I, I think there'll be a move this year in the uh, or next year in the legislative session to get some uh, here in Oklahoma. I, I did this by executive order because our legislature did not act on it this past year. Uh, but hopefully we'll codify this now uh, in law as well in Oklahoma. And I think there's a there's a move to get that done. Sir, I appreciate your time, man. Hope you end up president. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. That's my pleasure. Kevin Stitt, the governor of Oklahoma, did it by executive order. And, you know, it, it's just common sense. And I talk about this every day. It's just, look, you want to get a transgender, you want to get surgery, be 18 or older. Great. Do it as an adult. But leave our kids out of this. Let our kids go. You want to be a transgender, you want to participate, great. Get your own league. Women against women, men against men. You know, I see these things about, well, men can breastfeed. Really? No, they can't. Women are birthing people. I'm never using Harry's razors again. I use Harry's razors. I thought Harry's razors were great. I thought Harry's were absolutely fantastic. But they have become so woke that they won't even say woman. Birthing parent and non-birthing parent. You won't even say woman. Harry's razors will not even say woman, period. And they're using some transgender dude shaving. I'm not doing it. 
I'm sorry. I have too much respect for women. I have too much respect for God and what God placed you. Now, you can argue with me all you want. Jesus was trans. Jesus loved all people. I love all people. But I, I, I don't want to support something that I think is perverse. I'm sorry. I don't. And I think being not saying birthing parent is perverse or saying birthing parent is perverse. I think it's disgusting. I think it is awful to women. So Harry's Razors is out. Well, I think the birthing parent, we want a child for the birth, the birthing parent. How about the woman? God dang. Hey, look, I get it. I'm an old fart. I wouldn't pay attention to me either if I were you, but Harry, Harry's Razors can kiss my backside. Common sense ain't so damn common. In fact, common sense is done by idiots around here. All right, stock up, stock down. Stock up the Big Ten. Are you insane? The Big Ten just said, look, we know what's coming. They knew what was coming when they brought Rutgers, when they brought Nebraska. Hell, they knew what was coming when they brought Penn State into the league in the early 90s. Are you kidding me? Stock up the Big Ten for being ahead of the game. If you want to win, you get ahead of the game. You don't play catch up. You don't swim upstream. You, ladies and gentlemen, get ahead of the freaking game. And that's exactly what the Big Ten did, and they did it once again. Look, I was the first one to tell you because I got people everywhere. I I told you, you're going to see Washington and Oregon come to the Big Ten. You are. I figured you'd see Arizona and Arizona State go to the Big 12. Apparently, Arizona's going. You'll see Arizona State do it. What else are you going to do? But the Big 10 just outsmarted people. When Jim Delaney was the commissioner of the Big 10, he did something that was brilliant. He got the Big 10 basketball rights. Think about this. Started the Big 10 network. Basketball was on CBS. Basketball was on ESPN. Basketball was on Fox. Four, the Big Ten tournament, basketball was on ESPN. Tariko and I used to do the first-round games. Basketball was on the Big Ten network. Basketball was on CBS. The the final four in the Big Ten tournament, brilliant. Always been ahead of the game. So expansion comes. Penn State comes. Nebraska comes. Don't you think Nebraska and Nebraska fans would love to be going to the Big 12 right now? I think they would be. But they're not. They're tied into the Big Ten. They've always been ahead, the Big Ten. So now you got that Nike money. Now you got the state school out there, Washington, with Seattle. Now you just go ahead and pick and choose whoever the hell you want. Man, the Detroit Football Lions, it's golf time. I'm just in on it. They sold out every season ticket for the first time in 30 years. Dan Campbell was maligned. Every dumb little uh, nerdy, uh, hi guys, I write for the uh, NFL.com. I think Chris Ballard's the best GM in football and Dan Campbell's a meathead. Yeah, how's that working out for you? Dan Campbell has the city of Detroit popping with NFL football and it has never popped for NFL football, at least in the NFL. Now, maybe back, I don't know, back when they were, I mean, I don't even know. But they've been horrible for years. Now they're selling out. And now people might actually, might actually watch their games on Thanksgiving. 
but a humongous stock up to the Detroit Football Lions. I mean, what the heck? They got it going. And give Dan Campbell a big lipper and give Dan Campbell a, a Detroit Lion on the sideline and let's have some fun. But Detroit looked pretty good. I said last year, I did. I said last year, watching the Colts against the Lions, I don't know how good the Lions are, but the Colts aren't better than them, and they were not. So good for them. Stock up, Elon Musk. If you bear fired from your job, if you lost your job because of insane rules put on by idiotic employers, well, guess what? Guess what? Elon Musk is saying, hey, I get your money back. I get you some of your scratch back. I get you what you need back. That's right. Elon Musk is going to give you your money back, tell him how you lost your job, and away we go. I mean, if you were unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform, we will fund your legal bill. Please let us know. No limit. That's right. That's right. There you go. Don't be afraid to do it. Hit him up. I saw a tweet from Clay about monetizing Twitter. I'm all about it. I'm looking for re- I'm looking for revenue streams. The gambling hasn't gone great. Stock down Tim Anderson. I got punched in eighth grade. Boom. I could take a punch, I found out. Guy punched me. I didn't punch him back. I don't know if I was scared. The bell rang. I don't know. But my friends called me cowards. A couple of them did for a long time. I actually, it hurt me bad. It actually helped me in the long run because I didn't want to go out and see people. I just stayed on my little court at my house and shot baskets because I didn't want to be made fun of. Maybe I was a coward. I don't know. I know I didn't hit him back. Shoulda, didn't. Ultimately, though, that's probably why I fight back on everything now because I don't want to feel that way again. I don't want to feel like a coward because I felt like a coward. Tim Anderson wasn't a coward. He squared up. Tim Anderson squared up and got his jaw jacked. And as you see right here, when your shoulders are behind your booty, when your shoulders are behind your heels, you got a problem. This is what happened. Hey, let's play Tom Hamilton's call. This is the call from a stock down for Tim Anderson after he got to second base or was at second base, tagged Jose Ramirez a little bit hard, (laughs) squared off and got jacked. Here's a call from... Legendary Guardians announcer Tom Hamilton. Here it comes. A swing and a smash to first by the diving Vaughn. Down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in to score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. 
It's a 5-1 to one Chicago lead, but everybody from the dugouts and the bullpens congregated around second base. You never see Jose Ramirez get upset like that. And Tim Anderson was on the wrong side of that punch. Uh, here's Guardians. I was going to say Indians. Here's Guardians manager Terry Francona about what he saw and if it was funny or not. What do you think of Jose's left hook? Right hook. Right hook. Right. You know, it's not. It, it's really. It's not funny. But when I came in, I'm listening to Hammy. It's hard not to chuckle. I mean, it's, but, you know, again, it's not funny, but boys will be boys. <laughs> of course it's funny. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Of course that's funny. The whole thing is funny, dude, squaring off. And now this dude, he tried to fight. He did. He tried to throw hands. He tried to stay in the fray, but only after 12 guys were separating because really walking off, he didn't know where the hell he was. And one of the things that a lot of people are talking about, I don't know if this is true or not. A lot of people say, well, nobody really went after Ramirez. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I really don't. I watched that. It looked like you can never tell who's going after who in a baseball fight, but rarely in a baseball fight do you see guys actual throw punches that connect. This one did. <laughs> and you know what? Terry, Frank, Terry Francona could not be more right. Look, boys will be boys, man. You don't like it, you don't like it. Stock down the NBA Players Association. Now, this is an organization run with diversity hires. It has been forever. The Players Association is mad because the Orlando Magic gave money to Ron DeSantis' campaign. Yeah, okay. Good. Here's the deal. It's like I used to tell uh, my kids, you're mad at me? Good. Go over there and be mad. No, just go over there. Be mad. Let me know when you're done being mad. And then we'll talk about it. But as long as you're mad, just go over there. It's no big deal. I got you. Go over there. It's cool. I mean, who cares if the NBA Players Association is mad of the owners of the uh, 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 Orlando Magic? The owners of the Orlando Magic should be mad at its players for being horse bleep. The owners of the Orlando Magic should say, look, we're paying you idiots way too much money. We'll do whatever the hell we want. In fact, if I cut you, I'll give the money to DeSantis' campaign. Please, God, don't apologize, Orlando Magic ownership. These guys at the NBA Players Association, they have no idea what they're even talking about. Neither do players. Players are the dumbest of the dumb. Don't even try it. <laughs> yeah, let's listen to C.J. McCollum on life issues. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. Uh, and the U.S. women's national team, women's U.S. national team, they did what a lot of people were hoping, not me. I didn't want them to lose. I didn't care. I legitimately didn't. Now, I've got to talk about them because, well, it's a big story and it's kind of combines everything that we like here at OutKick. It's got sports. It's got politics. It's got everything you like. But really, it was an unlikable group of women. There wasn't any women on that team that you said, huh. Like Alex Morgan used to be the hot young girl, and she was really good, but now she's just another pain in the ass. Rapino's got the purple hair. I don't know. She kind of looks like Joe Biden. She hates our country. Uh, she's so far left-leaning that all the media guys are standing up for her, Nancy Amore and everybody else. You can call me any name you want. 
But hey, I didn't care enough to hate. I just knew they were unlikable. They were. They're completely unlikable. There's nothing about them that even says, hey, look, I want to watch them because I like them. Now, hey, look, I'm a 60-year-old man. I'm not a 17-year-old girl. I'm not. Never have been. Probably won't be, will be unless, you know, I decide to, oh, I don't know, uh, you know, change my gender, see what it's like. <laughs> I'd be quite a handsome woman, by the way. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so they're unlikable. Megan Rapino, I think she fixed the game. You know, somebody put out there, hey, maybe, hey, can you show that, tw- uh, that tweet that came about if you showed every Megan Rapino touch in this game, you would see how awful she is? You cannot be a leader as a victim. I'm sorry. You just can't be. There is no way in hell you can lead a team in international competition at high-end competition and be a victim. You just can't do it. I'm sorry. It would be great if you could, but you can't. Someone is going to make a highlight reel of every Megan Rapino touch in the World Cup, and it's going to be one bad pass and one turnover after another, literally the worst player on the field by far in every game she played. That's why the coach must be fired. Yeah, maybe. But that's why I also think they should open an investigation. Did she throw the game? I mean, she was that bad. I mean, that kick at the end, not only did she act like she didn't care, she kicked it not caring. She kicked it like a five-year-old boy and then, or girl, whatever you want to say, and then after she acted like she didn't care. Look, ESPN and Nike can show us all the Megan Rapinoe commercials that they would like, but we know the deal. We'll celebrate champions. We'll celebrate people that come through in big moments. We won't celebrate duds like that, unlikable people that are thrown down our throats for being idiots, for being having views that are just so ridiculous relative to our country, for hating our country. So you go get them, Nike. You go get them, ESPN. But frankly, there is no getting away from the way she played and the way she may or may not have fixed the game. And certainly there's no getting away from that kick at the end. I get you, Carly Lloyd, 17 years. That's right, 17 years I was with Indiana basketball, and I've never been wrong. I criticize them because I love them. I criticize them because it's part of my DNA, and I got every little blogger boy and every little podcast comes at me, and I've never been wrong. All right. Uh, (laughs) Megan Rapinoe. Oh, man. Megan Rapinoe, you and old Cap can go kneel together. Go get them. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, it's amazing. Women get so defensive. I mean, you're not allowed to criticize women. The backlash against the women's national team is so predictable. Crazy-ass, insane, left-leaning, insane Julie DeCarlo says, society is obsessed with taking women 
they perceive as arrogant or cocky down a peg. That's, there's a single reason there are four stars on the women's crest. Maybe remember that. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'll remember that. Okay, Julie. Like, we don't – we do it to men, too. Look, if you're unlikable, you're unlikable. A lot like Julie DiCarlo. There's no more unlikable human being than uh, that lady. And, you know, if she wants to get mad about it, then that means we're all doing right because that is a god-awful creature. Anyway, uh, Anthony Davis agreed to the largest contract ever, the largest contract extension ever, Anthony Street Clothes Davis. Anthony Street Clothes Davis is going to make over $60 million a year. Anthony effing Davis. Now, I'm no mathematician, but that's $5 million a month. Now, I'm going to say that again. That's $5 million a month. See, if you have talent, whether you are white or black, you'll get paid. You'll get paid. If you don't have talent, whether you are white or black or a woman, you won't get paid. I'm just telling you. We can all cry about inequities. We can all cry. We can do whatever, anything you want. But the truth of the matter is, three-year, $186 million for street clothes. No offense, but that is not just thir- uh, that is not just $60 million. That's $62 million. Don't forget the deuce. $62 million. How about that? For Anthony Davis, a.k.a. street clothes, a.k.a. get out of my way. I don't know if you know this, but transgender protesters glued themselves to the uh, Cycling World Championships. There you go. That's what we need. See, I think you should just run over them. I, if I were on a jury, and somebody glued themselves in the World Cycling Championships, causing it to halt, and you said, well, you know, Joey Bag of Donuts ran him over, I'd be like, hey, good. What do I care? Run him over twice. Twice. Uh, Mayor Boston Michelle Wu is maybe in trouble. She did Michelle Wu because Michelle Wu is Asian, thus a victim, apparently. She may be required to produce evidence emails about her enemies list. Now, Boston Mayor Michelle Wu is a professional victim, and she rode that into the mayordom, I guess that, the mayorship of Boston. She may be required to appear in court to defend her highly public and controversial enemies list. Uh, The Herald, the Boston Herald, said the Wu administration may need to produce evidence and emails about her list after a judge agreed to make it part of discovery in a case against a North End restaurateur accused of shooting at a business rival. Yeah. Uh, An attorney for the restaurateur says, I want to know who generated the list, what it was intended for, and why it was sent to the Boston Police Department. Look. You cannot lead if you're a victim. That is kind of the theme today. And Ms. Wu is a victim. Nobody really follows. What's that lady's name on ESPN, the professional victim? I forget her name. But I think she's pregnant now. 
No one, Mia Kimes, nobody really pays attention to her. I mean, you guys like her because she's nice. Some think she's high, but nobody really pay. You can't pay attention to a professional victim. You just can't. Uh, an ex-rival says Marvel hates the Punisher because cops, vets uh, like the character and they like the show. Yeah, well, shocking. Shocking. Marvel, who is famously woke, the Punisher is all about good fighting evil and cops like it. Oh, my God. Can you imagine cops like it and transgender folks don't like it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you really think, do you really, really, really think that we care about cops or people that actually do a service? No. We need the transgender folk to like it. Why? I'll tell you why. Because they glue themselves. They do. They glue themselves. All right. All right. Uh, This is a good story. You know, Bud Light and Budweiser and Bush and all that, Anheuser-Busch, are just getting crushed. They're getting crushed to the tune of about $27 billion right now, and I ain't mad about it. I had a friend, Kevin. He always posts Bud Light, and he's at a Bud Light place, and I'm not mad about that either. I think it's great. But the truth of the matter is it does have unintended consequences, and one of those is normal American folk getting laid off. However, however, normal American folk are now finding jobs. They're finding work in the pro-American beer industry. Let's be honest. Who would you rather work for? Someone that shows up every day and we got Dylan Mulvaney. You're dumb enough to think that Dylan Mulvaney, the guy that makes fun of women, should be the spokesperson? No! N-O spells no. No, 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 no. But guess what? The people have spoken. Uh, Heather Dinich, she of the most hypocritical media person in the world, for her comments on Urban Meyer when Urban went through that photo scandal, and again, I base that on her own personal conduct as a married woman. She's mad that college football has lost something. Really? What's it lost? I mean, really, what, what, what's it lost? It's lost something that made it special. The rivalries, nuh there's only a few that really matter. I learned that when I went, when I went to Bowling Green. I'm playing bowl. Everybody told me the I-75 rivalry. All right. So we're getting ready to play Toledo, the I-75 rival of Bowling Green, and Bowling Green, the I-75 rival of Toledo. Eh, one media guy showed up for media day. I'm like, wait, I thought this was Toledo week. I never went to a Bowling Green Toledo game where it was filled. When Pittsburgh came in with the with the wide receiver Fitzgerald, it was filled. They were in the top 25. Don't give me that crap. We still have the rival. USC is going to play UCLA. Ohio State is going to play Michigan. Auburn's going to play Alabama. Florida's going to play Georgia. There's only some that matter. Auburn, Alabama, fantastic. Michigan. Ohio State, fantastic. USC, UCLA, eh, we can probably do without. The Apple Bowl, uh, Washington, Washington State, eh, nobody really cares. The Monon Bell, Indiana, Purdue, eh, nobody really cares. Now, 
if you get those teams into the top 20, if Indiana beats some teams, hell, the Indiana Rutgers game would be fun, which, by the way, apparently I'm going to. But these rivalries, these, these oh, my God, I can't believe we're not going to have the brown jug every year between Minnesota and Wisconsin. Who cares, really? No. What we're going to have is better games. What we're going to have is better meaningful games. Heather Dench looks like 10 miles of bad road saying this. She looks dumb saying this. It isn't rivalry. You can wax philosophic. But until you've been in these, until you've gone to these, Indiana Purdue doesn't sell out. She looks stupid doing this. The rivalries. Oh, my God. Yeah. If the rivalry's so great, why isn't it Indiana and Purdue sold out every year? Every year. If the rivalries are so great, why does anybody really not give a rat's ass about any of them but four? People are just trying to make stuff up. You got to put content out there. You must. You got to put content. If you don't put content, you got nothing. Zero. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that rivalries really matter to the war, to the nation. Locally, I'm sure they do. Locally, I guess Indiana and Purdue matter. Well, you know, at the water cooler, I got to tell you, I don't know anybody that cares. Now, basketball, I think people care. But football, I don't think anybody cares. It's, you know, I don't know. You tell me. I don't have answers, but I would be interested. You tell me. Do any of you really, truly care about any rivalry that doesn't directly affect you? Like, I'm not sure I even care about Indiana-Purdue. Like, it's not like our family goes down. Now. Hey, look, Ohio State, Michigan, it's in your bloodline. It's, it's who you are. It's what you got to be about. But I got to tell you, oh, my God, we got to have these. I, I can't believe it. We got to have these rivalries from a woman that never played nothing. She don't know. She trying, though. She trying. Uh, a former NBA lottery pick got sentenced to 10 years in prison. Well, this genius, guy named, I don't even remember this guy. I thought I would, but a guy named Terrence Williams. He got 10 years in the can. He used his people skills to entice others to aid his $5 million health care fraud after he frittered away substantial earnings. So this idiot was ordered to forfeit more than $650,000 and to pay $2.5 million in restitution for ripping off the NBA's health and welfare benefit plan from 17 to 21. With the help of a dentist in California and doctors in California and Washington State, they had fictitious medical and dental expenses. Invoices were created. Apparently, this guy was the number 11 pick in 2009 by the New Jersey Nets. Then he played a couple years for the Nets, the Celtics, the Rockets, and the Sacramento Kings. He pleaded guilty to commit health care and wire fraud, aggravated identity theft, against 18 former NBA players. Jeez. Oh, man, good for him. Go to the can. Look, NBA player guy being stupid. I am stunned. I, no, I'm stunned by that. Wasn't supposed to happen. Hey, Musk and uh, uh, Zuckerberg, they're going to throw hands. They're going to fight. Musk and Zuckerberg are going to fight, 
and apparently it's going to get live streamed on X. Yeah. Will you watch that fight? Serious question. Zuckerberg and Musk, two guys. Look, here's the deal. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Look, here's what you, they might both be in great shape. They might. They might be in great, great shape. But they're not in the kind of shape that you're used to seeing in your fighters, in champ, when you buy a fight. They're not Diaz, right? They're not Paul. They're not going to be like dudes that are like, you know, dudes. So you're going to pay for this. You're going to watch this, and you're going to go, huh, looks like two flabby white guys. Huh. All right. I guess. Looks like two flabby white dudes. I don't know if I want to buy that, but I'll buy it because of their names. Uh, Democratic mayor blames everyone except for violent teens for rioting. Look, you could put Eric Adams in this. You can put the mayor of Chicago in this. The level of stupid that goes into this is amazing. The level of stupid from these diversity hire mayors is just idiotic. The Chicago mayor took offense because after a bunch of teenagers, after a bunch of teenagers came in, he got mad that they were called a mob. That's right. He got mad that they were called a mob. Don't call them a mob. Really? All right. Well, uh, okay, how about a gang? How about a group of dumbasses? How about a pack of idiots? How about a group of animals? I mean, what do you want to call when a bunch of people run wild, I don't care if they're black or white, in your streets and just do damage? I mean, you tell me. Please. Please tell me what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to call them. I don't know. I don't know. You know, then we got Eric Adams. Eric Adams is complaining about his city. Hey, I don't know, man. I I don't know what to do. There's all kind of people. Uh, There's people everywhere. We got no more room, but we're a sanctuary city. All are welcome here. No one is illegal. Remember those signs that your idiot neighbors put up? How many times am I going to say idiot? I like it. Remember those signs with the rainbow that your neighbors put up that talked about, oh, my gosh, no one's illegal. Everyone's welcome. Really? Everyone's welcome? Seattle Times, Seattle, what's the newspaper? I just saw this this morning. Uh, The Seattle Times said, hey, if New York can't handle all these guys, imagine how Texas feels. Look, you're a sanctuary city. If I were Indianapolis, I would come right out right now and say, look, we're not a sanctuary city. We're not. We don't want none of these folks. We all of a sudden decided to open our borders, send them to D.C., where the folks decided to open the borders, send them to every sanctuary city around. Send them to this dumbass. Send them to the worst of the worst, which is the mayor of Chicago and the mayor of New York. They seem to like folks. They are sanctuary cities. Send them. All are welcome. 
No one is illegal. Yeah, my neighbor had it. Yay, rah. Go fight win. You drive down Kessler through Broad Ripple. Yeah. Where's the highest crime area in Indy? Broad Ripple. Yeah. Let's do that. I think we should. I don't know why we wouldn't. Seems very easy. Like, you are a sanctuary city, which means you want these folks there. Put them there. Mayor, uh, Mayor Hogg said, if you are smart and you're not, if you are present and you haven't been, I would come out right now. We are not a sanctuary city. We are, our, our citizens here in Indianapolis pay tax dollars for us to support and help them. Our schools stink because I'm the mayor, and I'm not sure why. Our roads stink because I'm the mayor, and I'm not sure why. I'm a career politician. Crime is through the roof here in Indianapolis. And I don't know why, because allegedly I've been drinking the night of the riots. Businesses still haven't come in back. Businesses don't want to come back. But hey, I'm the mayor. We're not a sanctuary city. Do one thing good. Do one thing decent. Will you please? Mayor Hogg said here in Indianapolis, say we are not a sanctuary city for all these criminals who bite or, or who uh, Trump told you were coming into the United States. All right, give me some wokey dopey, will you? Wokey and dopey me. What do we got? It's a mayor elect Brandon doubles down against demonizing youth. Yeah, see, they're young. Sometimes they make silly decisions. Yeah, well, those silly decisions are illegal. Well, they're criminal. They cause damage to real law abiding citizens' property. They cause fear. There isn't anything that you, you, Mayor, whatever your name is, Brandon Johnson, being an idiot and giving them, well, no, no accountability. There's nothing you're doing for them other than keeping them out of jail. Brandon Johnson, you as a diversity hire are failing miserably. Brandon Johnson, you are a joke. Brandon Johnson, you should not allowed, be allowed to be within not only a city, you should not allow to ever speak on a podium again. You got mad because a reporter called them a mob. Well, what do you call them? Just young kids? Yay! Young kids having a good time at the expense of others? Young kids making mistakes? Oh, okay. Yay! No, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. And you know what? Every white guy in the city is afraid, right? This guy, there, there's an editorial. Brandon Johnson's remarks on mob action speak volumes. Okay. What mayors say matters. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Dozens of kids uh, running around, breaking people's stuff, breaking our stuff, causing panic. And he's mad at a mob. He's mad at a mob. 40 people were arrested between 12 and 20 years old. Reckless conduct in the South Loop. Approximately 300 to 400 people gathered and began taking part in disorderly behavior and wanted to loot stuff. The mayor took issue after a reporter said a mob. Respectfully, these large gatherings, these large gatherings, hang on a second, I promise you, you have time to talk. It's important that we speak of the dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what actually take place. 
we have to be very careful when we use language to describe certain behavior. There's history in this city. I mean, to refer to children as like baby Al Capones is not appropriate. Children? Children? What are you talking about? 12 to 15, 12 to 20 years old. Children, my ass. In no way do I condone the destructive activity we saw in the loop and lakefront. It's unacceptable. No place. However, it's not constructive to demonize youth who have other youths been starved of opportunities in their own community. My ass. Don't give people false choice. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, hey, it's just racism. It's all it is when you hear this stuff. All right, who's next? What's next? Your borders, your streets, your store, your president. Oh, man, it never gets old. It honestly, it just never gets old seeing our decrepit, our just ridiculous president on vacation 40% of the time. Man. That's, I don't know, that's Pete Buttigieg and whatever his little sidekick's name is, his little husband. That's that level of vacation. Is Pete Buttigieg back to work? I think he is. Is he back to work since a kid was born? I don't know, his kid, however you describe it, like, I don't know, three years ago. But look at our president. This is our nation, and there's our president under a tree reading a book. God bless you. While George Soros runs the country. What's next? Oh, man. If Build Back Better was a scented cam- ca- candle. Boy, is that true. Build Back Better. Man, Build Back Better. You know what? Go buy a gallon of paint. Like, we all talk about eggs. Go buy a gallon of paint and see what it costs you. Paint's like double what it was under Build Back Better. Under Bidenomics. Biden economics. Are you kidding me? Build back better? Man, how about destroy a nation? How about tear down the world, uh, the best country that there has ever been and will ever be? How about that? Man, oh man. Golly. If build back better was a scented candle. It's pretty funny. Last thing on Megan Rapino, I want an investigation. I want an open investigation. Did she fix the game? She was so bad. Did the coach fix the game? Was the coach intimidated and had to play her? Because if not, then Megan Rapino's little army of lesbians would get mad. I don't know. I don't have the answer. Her little army of worshipers, her little army of transgenders will get mad. Some, something happened here. Because in no way, shape, or form should Megan Rapinoe ever have seen the field for the United States women's national team. You can call that phobic, sexist, whatever you want, but anybody that watched it knows that's just calling sports like it is. And the fact that she was out there, it, it begs a question. It begs a question. Were they fixing? I don't know. Was she fixing? I don't know. But go back and watch her kick. Go back and watch how she did not care. Go back and watch how she legitimately could have cared, could not have cared less. It reeks of fixing. It just does. Just saying. Tomorrow, I think we have Paula Scanlon on, the beautiful young lady who went and, well, went before Congress and told her story, her tragic story of being sexually assaulted and then having to sit there while her teammate, Leah Thomas, has got his wang out. 
I'm fighting this, and if you don't like it, then I'm the wrong show, but I will always stand up for women. I will. I will stand up from women. But anyway, the world is what it is right now. Hey, uh, if you get a chance, tell your friends about our show. We should be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. We should be back on YouTube tomorrow. Apparently, it wasn't our show that put it down. Apparently, uh, I don't, whatever show it was, you got to go from when whatever violation was found, you got to go a full week, and that's tomorrow. Look, they, it's a bullshit thing that they tried to do with us, and it's inconsequential, but they're trying to squelch us. Don't let them. They are. They're trying to squelch us. Conservative views like ours are uh, among the number one thing that Facebook certainly squelches, Twitter tries to squelch, and certainly YouTube did. They went back to, like, the NBA, NFL playoffs and found something on one of our shows. That's where we got kicked off. Dylan, thanks. Ryan, thanks. Nick, thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you. Have a great day.